Picture, if you will, in the theater of your mind, two geeks. For our purposes, Marshall and Pat, who have decided no longer to bite chickens' heads off, but to instead enter the realm of internet radio. If suddenly you find yourself hearing talk of comic books, television shows, and motion pictures, you may have inadvertently thrown your chips down on always bet on geek. Howdy, y'all. This is your friendly neighborhood co-host, Pat, down here in the capital city of the Magnolia State. And welcome to another episode of the world's greatest podcast, Always Been on Geek. Now, normally at this point, I would introduce my co-host and co-founder up there across the Redneck Oasis. But, well, let's see if we can... Let's see, let's see, because he, he's kind of, well, let's find out, because he's kind of under weather with his voice. The, let's see what happens. <clears throat> and up north, across the <laughs> Red Decker Races is... You can't make me laugh. What's up, y'all? I'm Marshall. Squishy not saying on Twitter. <laughs> Welcome to another, epi- another episode of Always Oh, my God. The more, you sound like I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to, like, project, and it's kind of getting me. So... Yeah, I'm here for a little bit because my throat hurts real bad and I can't do this for long. <clears throat> uh, and over to the, what is that? The West? West. The West. Howdy, y'all. Mrs. Mojo <laughs> coming at you live from the Lone Star State. Not feeling under the weather. Feeling hyped. Ready to go. Ready to rock. Ready to geek out with my bros. Well, good because you're going to have to pull <laughs> extra duty because I guess this is kind of a quasi one man down production so um i hope you're ready for it i was born ready so um yeah do you want to go ahead and tap out now or are you going to try to hang in there i I mean i'll i'll record for a minute i mean i'm not i'm not sick sick i just a a couple of days when i when i took the trash one of the i was changing one of the trash bags out back right at at my work and somebody must have put some kitty litter or something in there, because when I tied the bag, a big waft hit me, and I, it was like ammonia and shit, and it was probably kitty litter, but it had been sitting in there all day. So it had, anyway, when I inhaled it, it fucking rawed my sinus cavity all the way out down into my chest. <coughs> it's happened once before, but there's really nothing I can do about it except for just not talk. And that hurts me, because I like to talk. <clears throat> but yeah, y'all go oh, ahead. Y'all go ahead. Yeah. That's why. Oh. I'll tap out whenever I'm ready. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, um 
I'm torn between the horror of that story and the Grizzly Adams impersonation that you're doing. Yeah, no, I mean, this would be a good time for role-playing, man, because I, I could play somebody. But I can literally hear your voice fading in strength as we speak. That'd be too. Like, remember, Marsh, like, in it's Thursday. On Sunday, I'm going to need you fit because yeah. that's role-play night. I'm going to personally request from us and all of our listeners that you the listeners may be wanting to bow out. listen and make fun of me. That's what oh they do. Oh my god, me. man. Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, wait. How about, Marsh, you just hang out on the line and don't speak so that way you can still be part part of That's what I was saying. Thing. Y'all just go okay. ahead. Okay, Y'all okay. Just con- right, immediately right, started okay. trying to convince me to stop talking. No, no. Like, no, to stop no, 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 no. no, no. Cool. If yeah, we just keep do. Your we mouth just, shut, we'll let you. Yeah, we just. But if you start talking, you got to go to the kids' room. Yeah, because like we're just your friends, man. And you actually do sound. Yeah, my throat like hurts. A zombie. It hurts bad. Yeah. 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 You, we'll, yeah okay. All right. All right, all right well, answering us. Cool. Cool. He's a grown man, but cool. All right. All right. Um, all right so uh, we had we had an idea for this week about doing an episode called Ryan. You named it. As always, but <laughs> it was going to be the potluck. Figured yeah. it would be an interesting little fun. Uh, I can't think of the word. It'd be an interesting little fun segment we could do, <clears throat> where basically each one of us would do a secret quote unquote research into some kind of interesting geek news for the week. And then when we got to the podcast, we would each discuss what we had reviewed and learned about so that it would be, in theory, educational for the other two listeners and co-hosts. And that way it would be kind of like nobody would really know what was coming, but we would all come together and put it into one podcast. So it would be the Potluck Podcast. But unfortunately, our dear friend... And founder Marsh is unable to. Yes, sorry. Our dear friend and co-founder Marsh is unable to participate. So we're gonna hold off on that and do that in an upcoming one. As a matter of fact, I like that. I like the potluck. That was a good idea. Those of you who are listening may or may not notice that there's a ghost haunting us, a zombie ghost. But we're gonna ignore it and push past. Yeah, this this is the this is the co-host. Formerly known as Marsh, and now known as the Living Dead. But yeah, Ryan, um, that was a good idea, and we should do it with it's all of us, so we can all chip in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I came up with the plan B of uh, um, there is this guy online who I can't pronounce his name on Reddit, um, but I'm gonna go to Reddit to look up his name so I could give him a shout out. But he actually did a reskin of 5th Ed D&D for Star Wars to which he to which he called SW5E which means Star Wars 5th edition and when I say a reskin I mean it looks like a professional PDF of Star Wars rules using the 5th edition D&D rules and I've been hyped for it for a while ever since I found it like last month and this is like his 2.0 version 
and he's improved it each version. But he puts out regular content like at least once a week. And this week was he finally uploaded the final the final copy of the SW5E Player's Handbook. He's now hard at work on doing a Star Wars Buster's Manual for his reskin nice. and a <clears throat> and a Starships of the Galaxy for his reskin. But um, yeah, right. I sent you the link to the PDF, and you're an old school D and D player. What you think? Oh, and you also love Star Wars. So, what you think? It was a love child made with the two sexiest celebrities that I could possibly imagine. And of course, <laughs> the baby was quite beautiful. Uh, by the way, the the creator uh, goes by the handle uh, Galafile. Thank you, so, Galafile. Okay, so that's how so you say you, it. All right. Yeah, cool. if you're looking for him, it's G A L I P H I L E. And uh, if we can, we'll try to put the link in our podcast so that you can go directly and start checking it out. And I yep. agree. I honestly thought this was an official supplement. And as I looked through it, it wasn't until I was reading it that I was like, oh, oh no, this was a labor of love done by a person who just wanted to put all this together. And yep. that impressed me that much more. But yes, I did look over it and I liked some of the things that he did, um, but we'll go over that in more detail. So how did you come across it? Were you just surfing the dark web and you happened to look for it? Were you secretly yearning to fall into the dark side of fifth ed or how? What's the story behind this? Um, well, okay. Um, I love RPGs and I've come to admit that I really like to run games. I enjoy being a PC, but I love being a GM or a DM or an ST or whatever name you give the person who runs game for your system. That's good because nobody else likes to do it. <clears throat> and and so um, one night, like months ago, I was on Reddit and I decided to sign up for a lot of role-playing subreddits. So it's like... Um, and I signed up to a This is a Dragons subreddit. I don't know which one. Like, I'm, I follow like five of them. So I don't remember which one I saw it in. But he posted in one of those subreddits Hey, I'm doing a Star Wars rescan for 5th Ed D&D. Um, here, I, I made my own subreddit. See what y'all think. And, you know, being gamers, folks went over there. I was like, I'll check it out. And I was impressed. I was like, I don't even really, you know, I've never run D&D because the D20 system kind of intimidates me. But I love Star Wars. So, and I began more into D&D because of Critical Role and that show. So, I checked it out and, like, it was cool. Like, what you read, Ryan, it's like, it's like his finished, his done version I came in on it when he was still on version 1.3. So it's gotten better. <laughs> like, the layout, the art, because more people started to help him. And so it's, I mean, honestly, it looks like <laughs> an official product because he, and the reason why it looks so good is because he uses GM Binder, gmbinder.com. I use it too. And you can use that site 
to actually make professional looking layouts and templates for D&D games or for role playing games in general because if you know CSS or you know Markdown you can actually code in your layout your template, moving your art because and you can make it look that professional because I'm currently trying to use that to work on my Eternal Realm game but having used GM Binder I know that shit ain't easy <laughs> like it's a lot of work for him to make that game look that good and the fact that anyway I'm impressed with it so that's the long answer to how I found it right very good well I'm glad you shared it with me it is definitely a jewel that I will be adding to my role playing archive and resources so with that said now that we've uh, introduced it um, what is your opinion of it? Because I know from your point of view, you've got a lot of role-playing experience, but your experience with the D&D &D system, and especially the D20 system, probably is limited to more the old-school AD&D versions of it. And so I don't think you've done very much of the latest incarnations of D20. So I feel like you might be kind of the outside looking in. Yes. Oh, that's true, because I got into D&D &D because of you, because we were roommates back in the day, and you loved D&D, &D, and so you ran me in an AD&D &D game. Yeah, kids. This was back in, like, 97. <laughs> that's how long. Wait, was it? No, because, yeah, it was in the 90s, let's say that, late 90s, and... Hey, listeners, there's no reason to fear Thacko. Thacko is not the devil. It Keep is going. the devil. That goes sucked. Yes. That go did suck, and that's part of the reason why I was like, why am I playing anyway? That's that's neither here nor there. But so I started with A D and D. But then when the third egg came out, we converted over my A D and D character into third ed and you ran that for like a couple of sessions. And then when you moved away, my friend Jeff ran a one-shot fourth day game. And I did, I did not like fourth day. Like, I could see why people were drawn to it because it was... Because I, I enjoy it more. I don't enjoy having to use maps and grids and miniatures. And fourth day was kind of built along the assumption you would use that. Do you agree, Rod? Because you uh, okay. know more about that than I do. <clears throat> That's why nobody liked it. <clears throat> Actually, I feel like I'm one of the last holdouts. I enjoyed the heck out of Fourth Ed. Really? It was okay. Diff it was a different type of D&D. &D. It was almost a combination of, like, pen and paper, tabletop, with a card game, with maybe some homages to a video game it made everything very action and cinematic but at the same time kind of uh, put you into different roles that were kind of hard to break out of so I, I enjoyed it in the fact that when you played it it was very slick and streamlined and it was very much designed to make combat fun and engaging and cinematic and because of that I really enjoyed it 
but outside of combat, the rules didn't support the role playing as much. Not saying that right, you okay. couldn't, but pretty much I would say about ninety percent of all the rules were all designed around how to fight. And anything that was outside of that, it kind of left nebulous. Which, if you were an experienced player or GM, you could work with that. But I think a lot of people felt that it went too heavily into the cinematic action part of the game. And it left too much of the role uh, and character development and story development elements to your imagination and I think people like having the structure so when they finally get to 5th ed I feel like they did a really good job of taking some of the things that worked from 4th ed some of the stuff that worked from previous eds and put them together to kind of make something that was much more of a natural hybrid between an action centric game that still allowed for the development of characters and stories so that brought us over to 5th ed okay so what's your opinion then like do you like Fifth Ed or do you slip it for Fourth Ed in general? So, if I wanted to just play a type of story where I was focused on overcoming obstacles in a, like I said, cinematic action sense, I would be more than happy to play Fourth Ed. I felt that it gave you a lot of tools in your toolbox to have fun battles and very. Um, very intense uh, you know, combat and conflict through that. But I wouldn't want to go to fourth ed if I actually wanted to develop a story, my you know, my concept, my character, relationships with NPCs or other PCs. So it was like a, a role playing game like R O L L, not yeah. R O L E. Exactly. So Yeah, you gotta be able to role play when you have a character. Fighting's cool, but I mean damn. I got past that in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, because one of the things that I, I do enjoy about Fifth Ed is the fact that I'm looking through the 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 SW5E, and I like I like how they do the different paths or ways you can choose for your character. So even if two people are playing a fighter in your group. They could be a different kind of fighter with their traditions or something. Or like if two people are playing a a wizard, they could be like Did you see what I'm saying? I, I don't know what they're called exactly. Well in fifth ed, uh traditional sense, they're basically just um specialties. Uh so I mean you may have a rogue and one's once you get to a certain level you Third level, of, right. Yeah, you develop into maybe the assassin specialty right um i like that because yeah yeah, because that way it's like even if you have two rogues there are different kinds of rogues which is which was one of my main things against dnd it's like you felt i felt too locked into a class even if you multi-class it felt like you were kind of like a rogue's a rogue you see one rogue you've seen them all but now it's like no he could be an assassin or a thief or a whatever and, you, and you're never sure. And I like how they introduced backgrounds. So, like, it's kind of like, this is where you came from, and now your class is who you are now, and then how you work your class is your specialty, I guess. 
Yeah, I agree. I think they did a lot of good things with Fifth Ed and that they expanded upon, like I said, the stuff that worked and they trimmed the fat and got rid of some of the stuff that was too bulky or too rule-centric or just took away from things that were uh, important in developing a story and a character. So with that, I think that Fifth Ed may not be the final incarnations of D&D, but it'll, it's definitely going to be historically uh, listed as some of the best uh, versions of it, I think. Um, yeah, because I, because I, I actually, I actually own a copy of the Third Ed Players, um, DMG and Muslim Manual, and I pulled that out to compare and contrast one day against Fifth Ed D and D and Third Ed, and they were right. They did really simplify a, a whole lot of stuff. Like they gave you one. Like one score for your proficiency bonus. Like it's not multiple scores over multiple tape. It's hard to describe. I feel like I'm. I feel like since I don't know D and D a lot, it's hard for me to explain how I can I can kind of see how they made it simpler, and like they got well, rid of like. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think you literally put it nail on the head right there in the fact that from an outsider's point of view, if you don't have the years of exposure to the game, it is kind of hard to wrap your mind around it and kind of, you know, describe and really understand And For like new players that are just getting into a role-playing scene, uh, the older versions of D&D could have been pretty daunting. In fact, the further back you go, the earlier editions, they were even more and more daunting. Uh, so there was kind of a high learning curve to that, and I feel like they finally found their uh, sweet spot in 5th Ed, where you can kind of come in, they give you some choices, but at the same time keep you in a narrow field so that you don't have to feel overwhelmed, and it's all kind of interrelated. So you're like, okay, if I do this one thing, it works across the board. I don't have to memorize one thing for this and two things for right. that and another thing for and, this. Right, and I think one of my favorite new mechanics of fifth ed is the fact that there you you no longer have like a plus two or a plus five or a plus three bonus is this roll advantage or roll disadvantage and that's like oh that's so much simpler <laughs> i wonder i wonder who came up with that when they were working on the new mechanics honestly like which person said hey instead of having all these charts and all these numbers for like a bonuses how about we just let the row to the twenties and take the highest or the lowest, depending on the situation. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that was a really, uh, really good concept, and it makes perfect sense. And it's easy to go, and you doesn't slow down combat or you know your your scenario that you're describing. So, have you looked at it? I'm sure you have, but. Um, after looking through it, um, I think there's a few things that make it feel very Star Wars-esque, the current um, system with that. Uh, for instance, the different type of classes. Yep. So, as you know, traditional D&D obviously has the classes, and some of you may be aware of them, or some of you uh, listeners may not, but just a quick rundown. You basically have... So what he did is he took the rules of D&D 5th Edition... And he reskinned it so that the races and the thematic feel and the technology is being represented inside the game. 
So when you open up the book and you look through it, you instantly recognize that you're dealing with a sci-fi, tech-centric type of uh, setting. You see the different races. You can tell there's alien species. And so it very quickly throws you into um, uh, understanding that this is a Star Wars world and the rules are going to be uh, according to that. So I think they did a really good job of capturing the atmosphere um, for it. As you go deeper into it, though, you will quickly recognize the charts and the classes and the options that uh, label it as D&D 5th edition. And you can see where they basically kept most of the core mechanics of the 5th ed system, but they changed the names to some of the stuff. So, for instance, uh, they took in standard 5th ed D&D, there's piercing damage like with the dagger there's blunt damage with like a staff there's slashing damage with the sword they uh, decided to go ahead and condense all that and create a new category just called kinetic so that's right. basically physical damage they added a new um, type of damage that wasn't in there uh, to represent Star Wars and that's ion damage so that yeah. obviously does extra damage to electronics and stuff like that so they did things, they tweaked it when were necessary to make it relate directly to the rules and the laws of the Star Wars universe that we're familiar with, but they laid it very heavily on a solid foundation and a skeleton of the Fifth Ed system. I still have my concerns about it, though. Shoot. So, as you know, you and I and our group, Marshall, um, and our other um, amazing friend who role plays with us uh, we all play Star Wars on a regular basis but we play a system that is out of print and I want to make sure I get it right yeah it's, uh, it's called the um, West End Games exactly uh, it's also better known as the D6 system yes and since I have a comparison in my mind between 5th Ed D&D and the D6 Star Wars system, I feel that if you're looking for a true Star Wars experience, something that makes you feel completely immersed in the universe and gets rid of anything that make you, may feel that you're in an artificial construct as far as trying to create a universe and that you're actually there, I think the D6 system is flawless and that it really captures the sense of cinema uh, with uh, operatic uh, storylines and tense battles and dangers and threats and I feel that it's also a unique enough of a mechanic system that there's really nothing else that directly links you when you're playing to another pre-existing game and so with that in mind I personally find that the D6 system, if you're looking for a Star Wars setting, is perfect. It feels really good, you're completely lost in it, and you never once feel that you're basically like borrowing a tool to make another tool work when you don't have the actual tool you need, if that makes right. sense. Yes. So the 5th Ed Star Wars system that uh, was generated. I think it's a great concept and I love that somebody went through all the work to do it because there are some people that just love D&D. &D. Everything D&D, &D, they, they can eat it three meals a day 
everywhere, every which way, D20, 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 and that's cool because there are a lot of things that are great about the D20 system. And so for somebody who really wants to have a D20 mechanic but placed in a different non-fantasy setting, because you could technically use this in a sci-fi setting without having to necessarily make it Star Wars if you just wanted to reskin it in your own home. It's perfect for that. However, I personally feel that if you were playing the 5th Ed version of Star Wars, that because of the limitations and the pre-existing tropes that we're used to, such as classing ha classes have 20 levels and every level you get some kind of particular benefit and you just kind of follow the trail of the railroad as you develop your character, that I would be concerned that the 5th Ed version of the game would always feel like an imposter in the Star Wars universe. Now, this isn't the first time Star Wars has been represented by the D20 system. There was the old school Star Wars D20 system that came out around the same time as D&D 3.5 and then they had a new edition called the Saga edition that was also D20 by Wizards of the Coast. Do you feel this? Would you have felt the same way about those two systems since they were actually published by the same people who make D&D 2? It's not so much who publishes it for me, it's how the mechanics drive your character development. Okay. And in D&D, going back for uh, edition after edition, the one thing that's pretty uh, repetitive is that when you choose a class you basically are accepting a path of pre-chosen abilities pre-chosen uh, limitations pre-designed everything now with that in mind I've had a lot of fun and I have some of the most amazing memories in D&D even using that mechanic and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But as I've become more of an experienced and mature gamer, uh -huh. I begin to personally feel that having a template that gives me a guideline for how my character develops, but allowing me the freedom to flex any way I want within that system without feeling that I'm confined by some pre-existing rules that are saying this is who I am once I've made this choice. That's why I like the D6 system because it does okay. have a template where you basically like if you choose a Jedi or a smuggler they give you some things to play with but because it's a skills based system instead of having predetermined skills that you have to be they just tell you these are common skills that a smuggler may have but you don't have to choose any of them you get the ability to develop yourself as a character organically. So if I start off with a template as a smuggler, and as the story goes along a couple of months into it, suddenly I realize that um, being a spy is something that my character wants to develop. All I have to do is start developing the skills that support that, and I still have a very organic flow from my smuggler past to my current spy uh, incarnation and I don't feel like I'm breaking any of the Lego set pre-constructed temp templates that 5th Ed puts into place. 
Now, does the fifth ad kind of get around that by introducing backgrounds and the different paths you can go down in your class? Not uh, really. I, I felt, and I felt like that was them trying to get around what you're describing. Because I feel like it's like this. Yes, to some degree, there's multi-classing options. You can crisscross and you can pair things up to kind of um, you know, make something that you like. But there's two very specific things that prevent it from being truly organic. A, you have, a, you have an artificial level cap. So level 20 is generally the highest you will ever get. Now granted, most people don't ever get to level 20. That's probably you know anywhere from a year to five years worth of gameplay. But the point is that there is a ceiling, and that ceiling has a psychological impact on you. That as you play, you know that you can only make so many decisions before you get to the end of the road, regardless if it's the story continues on now there's ways to homebrew that around and you can go to epic levels and stuff like that but the core right. base mechanic basically tells you beginning and end preset so that has an impact on your development that i don't personally like the other thing is is that each level is basically like a lego block you can't right. change the shape of it you can choose a different color you could choose interesting okay but you ultimately are still stuck with a the next level up you're either going to choose one of these options and there you go and so you i feel like it's the difference between developing a character using minecraft pixels where it's all kind of blocky <laughs> and you're like yeah i get it that's a person yeah. he's got an axe okay. okay sure he's got hair versus using photoshop where you can actually make an artistic rendering of a beautiful piece of work i would and say that D D is closer ways, to minecraft development as far as right. character goes and both ways are good because how'd you know i was playing minecraft well psychic for, yeah and that we can actually also hear you <laughs> so. you can hear the stupid thing yeah you must be hearing the controller yes yeah but um, well, you know what? <clears throat> I guess I'm gonna tap out here, man. <clears throat> oh God! <laughs> okay. Right, okay I, I'd love for just, you, Marsh. Just for better. just for editing's sake, if y'all could hear that, I picked up all that shit on microphone too. So, <clears throat> all right, y'all. All right, well, I'm a peace out. I almost made it. Well, 36 minutes anyway. They'll tell you where to I, find us. Much love. Everything will be all right. And that was our special guest star, Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> right, Jesus. Wow. Well, much props to Marsh for trying to hang in there because I would have tapped out after I said hi and bye. So. Yeah, it's obviously a testimony of how much he loves this podcast and he loves sharing um, his time with all y'all. So thank you, Marsh, if you're not listening now, when you're listening later. Your presence is always appreciated. Now go get well. Yeah, we have the game Sunday. <laughs> get well. <laughs> okay, so so does that mean you're now that you're older, is the honeymoon over for you with D and D? Do you just prefer a more organic game system for your role playing experience? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, uh, Pat. I would have to say, unfortunately, yeah. I think the honeymoon is over. Now, like I said, I have some great memories with D&D. I think it's a great setting as far as putting together 
some really really great stories and stuff like that but as far as the mechanic goes I just am really disillusioned with the choices being predetermined for me when I'm developing my character okay well that's that is fair I would have because like you know you could get lazy and put people into boxes and then refuse to expand your mind when they want to pick a new box. I always had you as the D&D guy in my box, but I was not aware that you had kind of like go, oh, you know what, nah. <laughs> when I was a child, I played with childish things. I'm a man now. Now I need D6 Star Wars <laughs> and, not, and not D20. But no, that's cool. Um, well, and I also think it mostly comes down to the psychological impact that the mechanic that you roleplay with provides you. And although every game system is obviously based on limitations, the more that a game can hide those limitations and give me the illusion of limitless choices, the more I'm going to be attracted to it. Because my main problem with the D6 system is it occurred to me when I ran that space battle last month if you're not careful you can roll like a handful of dice and you have to add up all those dice like you had like I think there was one row where you were rolling like 25 dice for something <laughs> and I was like oh my god he's still rolling and then he has to add all this shit up <laughs> I mean so I do appreciate a game mechanic that reduces the amount of time it takes you to roll dice and to get your results. That's part of the reason why I'm getting more and more into the mutants and mastermind system. You have 1d20. That's your only die you ever roll. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of like the... And like with the Marvel system, you may roll a handful of dice, but you only use two, maybe three, if you spend a plot point. You know what I'm saying? And the effect die. It still kind of helps speed things up more than rolling like 50 D6s <laughs> to try and get your result. And I agree completely. That is the one downside of the D6 system is that officially you roll a dice for every level that you have in a skill, which can very quickly add up to a, a sickening number of dice depending right. on the situation. And like, it, and even if it does it for a PC as a GM, if I if I'm having to roll from like a star destroyer, y'all have y'all y'all there are, <laughs> I'll be rolling handfuls of dice every time. So that's now, part of the reason why. Now, just to clarify I, for our listeners who may not have played the D6 system, they do have a workaround to that. For instance, yeah, but there's a I chart look, so that if you a, go over a certain number, you can just add an average to it, but. Technically, if you like rolling dice, if you like being the agency that determines your destiny, then yeah, you're right. You could, in theory, be having a Death Star shooting at some small little, you know, starfighter, and you're trying to roll 48 d6. And part of part of my problem with that chart is the fact that there's no way to fail. Like, if you were to use that chart to roll for something odds are you will succeed at that roll even if you don't roll because they give you the average number of a, of a success plus 5d and well it basically narrows down the odds to just a battle between 5d sixes 
because unless there's a size difference, if everything else is even, then everybody's getting the same number. But you're right. It does take the randomness way, way down. Right. Like way down. Like right. I saw that when we were doing our space battle. I was like, man, this is no easy workaround. So my workaround was, it was a suggestion I got from the book was, it was from the book, it was from an online forum, to use big capital sips as space hazards. So it will increase the difficulty you would have to beat when you roll. And if you fail the roll, then you, you just got hit by a straight bolt, which is way faster. It kind of makes more sense because like, that's kind of how it looks in the movies anyway. Anyway, wow, we're getting way in the weeds of like role-playing games. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because it's like what I enjoy also in my geekhood. But um, I guess to wrap up Star Wars 5e, um, if this were an official book that looks just like this with the, with the exact same rules, but it was for sale, would you buy it, Rye? All right, good question. So here's my answer. If I did not have the option or the knowledge of the D6 Star Wars system, I would buy it in a heartbeat because I love D&D and I understand the system and reskinning it so I can play that same system in a universe that I have a mad love for, I'd be just fine with it. But if I had a choice I, between a Star Wars system like the D6 versus the 5e D6 Star Wars, I wouldn't. Interesting, okay. Now, with that in mind, like you said earlier about the Mutant and Mastermind system, that is another system that I feel does a really good job of minimizing the dice roll, like you said. You have one D20 and you just add a couple numbers to it and it's easy breezy. Wait, 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 that, is, that is actually it, guys. Like, you spend more time making up your character. But after you make up your character, it's just one die, and you and you add a modifier. <laughs> and, and, and that is what I think is one of the strengths of the Mutant Mastermind system, is that you kind of get to use the benefit of the D6 system with skills where you can kind of decide your own path. Um, I mean, now it's obviously initially designed to be a superhero setting, and it works really right. well to that because you can pick powers and stuff like that. But considering that it's basically a point-based system, you know, if you decide to spend X amount of points to have a fire blast and then another X amount of points to have a force field, over time you could build those up and you could make your force field even stronger or you could unlock a new power like telepathy or something like that. The point is, is that it gives you that organic growth that I really like from the D6 system, but it integrates the D20 simplicity that I feel that the Mutant Mastermind is a really great system. So if you haven't played it and you're looking for something, um, it's one of those systems that you could reskin on your own and put it in a Star Wars game. Now, it would take a lot of work. I'm not going to be the one to do, do it, but if any of our <laughs> listeners feel like jumping in and being a hero, if you want to create a Star Wars universe using the Mutant Mastermind system, I will buy that today. Now, to be fair, there is a current company that produces a Star Wars role-playing game, and they're called Fantasy Flight Games FFG, and they use a special kind of dice dice to run the game. So, I don't, 
Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I actually think no, it's I, a cool concept. It's great for marketing, right. and it's, yeah, but his, it self perpetuates itself. It's yeah, but brilliant. here's my thing because you were kind of right. Like, I actually have the three core rule because I like role playing games. Like, even if I never run it, I like to read their version of the rules. Right. So I actually have the three core rule books of that game system. The one for the scoundrels, the one for the rebels, and the one for the Jedi. Or the Force users. But my pet peeve is I don't like role-playing games where you have to buy specialty dice, and I never have, because the entire point is to get more people into the hobby. And it's hard right. to convince... Right, that creates it's a hard, barrier. Right, I mean, it's, it's hard enough. It's easier now, thanks to shows like Critical Role. But back in the day, it was hard enough trying to explain to people... This is a D four. <laughs> right. This is a D twenty. <laughs> this is a D eight. I mean, and now try now try and do that, but this blue die has this symbol, but it also has this symbol, and these two symbols mean this and that. I mean, it's it's. I think the current Star Wars game is made more for moderate to experienced gamers. I, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to ask a newbie to commit to that off the bat unless they and, just really want to learn it <laughs> right exactly yeah and you know and we live in the future so ffg actually does provide a dice app for your smartphone or for your tablet you do have to pay for it so you're still paying for your specialty dice but you can always have the app on your phone or tablet so that's good too i just don't like games that would i don't like games that put an extra hoop to jump through to try to play the game. I agree. In fact, I think you will recall one of my first pet peeves that I ever voiced was the original Marvel system where you had to use a chart when you rolled yes. your dice to cross-reference your result. Now, I've mellowed out and learned <laughs> to accept that that's fine and it's just a part <laughs> of the system and not a big deal. But when you initially brought that up to me as a young role player that I had to have my dice, alright, have to have my pen and paper for my character, got it, and you have to have a chart. Wait, where's that chart? Where do I find it? Oh, it's oh, a special gosh. chart that only exists over here. You can print it out or you... So, at the time, it was... No, guys, guys, he's... He's underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was irate. If it wasn't for the fact that he really enjoyed playing in my Marvel game, I don't think he would have jumped through that hoop. But it was a hoop you had to jump through to play the game. Right. I didn't mind. I didn't mind the chart because, as a new as a new GM, it kind of gave me a security blanket. Like if I was ever confused, I could look at the chart and kind of improv it out the way. Now that I'm more of an experienced GM, I don't need a chart anymore. You know what I'm saying? But and what's funny is that game was made by TSR. The same people who were making AD and D back in the day, <laughs> so it's it's oh, all the circle. Yeah, but I think it goes exactly to your point that you said that if they put too many barriers, too many unique things, that it makes it harder for new people to embrace the idea and get involved, and that ultimately hurts all of us. But not not throwing shade at the current Star Wars systems. I've actually read some. I've actually read people who posted 
who post about their games, and I've heard some actual play podcasts, and the game sounds really fun, because like, cause the dice mechanic gives an extra element of random fate and chance in an otherwise static system, so I can understand why they why they wanted to do that that way, and the game sounds really fun, honestly. And yes, and as an experienced player, I'm actually really excited to try it out someday. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm curious to know what innovations they've integrated, because I can appreciate that. Um, I think you just have to be careful that innovations don't become daunting to somebody who doesn't have that thirst or hunger. Right, because at the same time, the, the, the element of random chance, once again, the original d6 west end game system kind of gave you with the wow die <laughs> so it's, it's 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 so weird like west end games almost made the perfect star wars game mechanic <laughs> it's, it's so weird <laughs> i mean if they could just find a way that you didn't have to roll a fistful of dice <laughs> when you when you start to get real power that'd be nice but okay so thank you right i when i saw ss when I saw SW5E, you were one of the first people I wanted to send the link to to see what they thought. So I appreciate I guess it. You, yeah. yeah, and I, I'm actually going to keep reading through it and find out uh, some more about it because um, I love anything Star Wars. I'm willing to nom 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 it all down. And even though I may not actually get a chance to play a fifth ed Star Wars game, I love just being immersed in the culture. And if, like you said, you just kind of like to read rules, even if you're never going to yeah. be planning on playing them, it'll still just be nice to have that in my background as far as ideas for different games I might want to run someday. Right, because there are times when I read rules and they have a rule that I can say, hey, I can reskin that rule for mm-hmm. my current game. And yeah, so, yeah. Well, awesome, awesome. Well, before we close out, I would like to say that... um. I saw a trailer for a new show on Netflix called The Children's Adventures of Sabrina, and it actually looks really good. <laughs> I have it's not seen the, that one yet. It's, the, it's a modern interpretation of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Interesting. That but should be cute, because that original show was actually fun. But with more of a chilling horror vibe. So, this one is it going to be meant for kids? It's meant for more <laughs> young adults to the older crowd. Is this more of uh, a fuck Batman series? No, I, well, I don't know. It's on Netflix. And it's made by the same people who are doing the current Riverdale series, which is one of my favorites. I've heard really good things about that, although I haven't gotten into it. But it's... You should check out Riverdale. It, it can be cheesy, but it's my kind of cheese. I dig it. <laughs> like I dig it, and um, it's on Netflix currently. So w- when you're done with Shield, check out Riverdale. I don't ever want to be done with Shield, though. I know. Trust me, I know. All right, let me go ahead and X that off the list. The last thing on my list was about Microsoft OneNote. I was introduced to this because of a GM subreddit on Reddit that I was on. And this guy said he uses OneNote to run his games as a PC. So I checked it out. Well, first I checked out his YouTube channel where he walked through how how he used it. And as he did, I was like, man, this sounds really helpful. And so 
I got it and I've been importing my games over into it. And it's it's so it's so fucking sweet. Like you can have different notebooks. Like my Marvel RPG, my Star Wars RPG, your RPG with our superhero game. And each notebook could have sections like PC stats, NPC stats, GM notes. You can password lock a section. So even if I share my notebook with you, I can lock the GM notes section. Oh, that's so handy. I, yeah. So you can see like your stats, and you can alter your stats or, or whatever, but you couldn't see it to my notes section. And the each section has different pages you can use and you can make a page a sub page under a main page it's honestly really helpful <laughs> and I would suggest hey you know what I'm going to try and find this guy's YouTube because he walked through it pretty well so uh, while I look this up is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up Ryan? I just want to let everybody know that um for those of you keeping track, and for those of you who aren't, Always Been a Geek is coming up on its third year anniversary. Three years! That's like 24 or something in dog years. It's so much time. I can't believe that you guys have been doing it that long. And once again, I'm honored to be a part of it. I can't say I've been there from the beginning, although maybe I have. just depends on how you want to look at it. But the point is, is that we've been around... And Marshall and Pat have been keeping this going for three years now. So we've got our three-year anniversary coming up. We're going to have some fun uh, topics in mind. Uh, we're also asking anybody who uh, is able to that wants to send us in some audio files of um, uh, happy you know, three-year anniversary, uh, happy birthday, anything fun. Uh, we'll be happy to uh, take it, and uh, if we can put together enough of those, we will add those to the uh, anniversary podcast once it goes live. And yes, we're really uh, excited to celebrate this. You guys have been uh, there for us, and uh, we really can't thank you enough. Yes, and send those um, clips to alwaysbetongeek at gmail.com if you so, if you so desire. Um, we'll keep asking about them on our Twitter at alwaysbetongeek. But um, yeah, and if you do or you don't, it does not matter. Thank you for being a part of the ride for three years. I am honestly surprised we have kept it going. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, we started, I can't believe it's almost been three years, let, let me put it like that. And the fact that it has been means I should probably start more stuff and then just keep it going. Because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's proof that you, it's proof that even at, it's proof that you can still keep stuff going on, on, long, on, on a long term when you just commit to it and do it when you're supposed to. So, thanks for listening. Oh, I found the guy's YouTube. It's Icarus, Icarus Miniatures. Okay. If we can put that down in the podcast links notes down there for you guys, we will. I'm not quite sure how all that technology thing works. I just show up and smile. Yes, uh, it's called the OneNote DM. It's um, a playlist on his YouTube channel. It's what I watched to check out and what made me download OneNote. And 
I like I have I'm running two games and I'm working on the third and I have slowly been importing all of my notes my PCs and my NPCs over into OneNote and that's how much I dig it because that's a lot of shit <laughs> to import and to make it look pretty but yeah alright well thank you very much y'all for joining us for another session of Always Been on Geek um, this was a one and a half man down or something along those lines <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty much the, um, the haunted episode I don't know what you want to call it uh, but uh, our dear friend uh, co-host co-founder Marsh uh, hope you feel better and we look forward to um, having our three year anniversary the next time we get together um, as always make sure you check out the new power world order no Marshall always corrects me don't use the just check out new com. I've already gave our twitter but just in case it's at always been on geek I gave our email but just in case it's always been on geek at gmail.com um, you can find us on youtube go into the search bar and put in always been on geek um you can also find Ryan's channel on YouTube, right? Yes. Uh, Mystic Mojo down here in the Lonely Star State. Um, you can find my videos at Gamer Lifestyle. Uh, you can also uh, reach out if you have any requests for content you'd like me to cover for upcoming video games at contactgamerlifestyle at gmail.com. Um, and... I'll be putting new material out soon, so look forward to that. And every visit um, gets an angel their wings. So keep up the good work. <laughs> hey, man, remember when Hotmail and Yahoo were the biggest email clients everybody used, but now everybody's on Gmail? Yes. In fact, I know that if I hear somebody give me a Hotmail or AOL um, or Yahoo account, I'm pretty sure they're a Russian spam hacker. <laughs> yeah, we've gone from Nigerian princes to Russian spam bots. Uh, the future continues to be weird and bizarre, but I wouldn't have it any other way because it keeps things exciting. So, um, yeah, uh, our next podcast may actually be the three-year anniversary one not sure yet but if it's not i kind of talking about the future well the next one will be the potluck maybe the one after that one could be more about the future stuff like we did with the cancer society but we'll see we'll see um all right right um if that if that is it i'm gonna go ahead and have us go out you cool i'm cool all right well that was my co-host Rye over there in the west in the Lone Star State and I have been your friendly neighborhood co-host Pat down here in the capital city of the Magnolia State this has been a one and a half man down production and as always we out